0: it looks like we are live on facebook hello to the coaches corner how is everybody today or tonight i guess for some people
1: good yeah. good good doing great yeah. yep Same you
0: well, we are going to start off with just a fun little question to get everybody warmed up for the night and i'm going to pull it from my trusty bag of secret questions okay Uh-oh. i know i know you never know what it's going to be so the question is if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be?
2: Oh, I got to jump in there with the bacon.
0: Bacon, really?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Duke Sean, what would your food be?
3: I uh, uh, I would have to go with hot wings, actual mm. wings, bone wings, not boneless buffalo wings. I've got a whole another tirade about that. <laughs>
0: Oh, you probably wouldn't like me much then, because I love boneless buffalo wings. They're They're... chicken
4: nuggets. Just call them what they are.
3: buffalo
0: sauce. Yes, exactly.
4: No, that's still a chicken (laughs) nugget with buffalo wings. That's right.
3: (laughs) You you can have your. You can like your chicken nuggets. Just call them what they are.
4: Exactly. Except Sean's going to have to fight me for the wings.
0: Oh, is that your food? Is that your food? That or
4: we're just going to go destroy something. (laughs) <laughs> I mean you, you you had me at
3: fighting Bronos. I mean, I'm always up for
1: that. I'll have to make you some of some of my oh, wings. Yeah. I yeah. I developed my own wing sauce. Um it's my own special recipe. I think you'd Very like nice. them.
0: Very nice. Something like sweet and spicy. That's always good. It has like a little kick to it, but it also has that sweet little side. It makes you crazy. Sweet it. and
1: spicy like me.
0: Yeah, Aww. exactly. Yeah. So then what, Mr. Sweet and Spicy, would your food be?
1: you know it's that's really difficult because a variety is the spice of life as the old saying goes uh, coffee I think <laughs> yeah coffee coffee would give me the energy to go look for other foods that's How about
0: that <laughs> that's a good point I do love some coffee all right well I think we know what everybody would eat uh, Duke Branos you did say you would fight over the wings so
4: uh, well you know i think what we'll do is we'll just go and destroy every wing place on the east and west coast
0: sounds good to
3: me that is a plan
0: (laughs) well we are going to switch over to our topic for the night now that everybody has said hello and we are going to warm up um if you don't mind i will pass this off to count tristan and count tristan if you could just give us a little run through an introduction and um take it from there
2: sure uh for anybody that missed uh the first episode that we did, I'll just give a basic recap of, of my history. I've fought over 25 years in this society. Uh, I was a Viscount of North Shield, I was knighted in 96. I went on from there in uh, 2004 and I expanded and started into, into Aikido and I took that through structured training. I got I established my own dojo, which I've been running for almost 10 years. So I've been teaching students there as well as uh, taking on within the SCA training my housemates and and other people that wanted to be trained so it's been a very strong interest of mine training people along that way I encounter plateaus myself and every single student I run into sooner or later has run into a plateau and almost always it gets them very frustrated and um, that's why I wanted to tackle this subject I think this is a good one for for where we are with these episodes to talk about, what do you do in that frustration? How do you recognize, A, that you're in a plateau? What is it, uh, what did, what causes it? And then how do, you, how do you solve it? So that's basically gonna be the structure of this. And I, I've talked with this at length with Sean before, which is, I think he's got some great things to say, uh, so much so I wanted him here, because uh, he's just, the stuff he's got is great. And I know Bronis has, has trained a lot of people and, and Eliahu Duke Ilyahu had experience teaching people Plateaus happen in everything, not just martial arts. Um, you get to that point where you just, your, your learning stagnates and you get very frustrated. And um, so that's gonna be kind of the roadmap of what we're gonna talk about. And I wanted to get everybody's perspective because I've not found any single language that describes exactly what plateaus are. You can describe them in many different ways and how they come up, how long you sit at them, and then different methods for getting over them. So. I think this is going to be a very interesting discussion and I, I think every fighter can relate to this to some degree when they they do the best they can they keep doing it and they just don't aren't getting any better and so that's why I want to get them to uh, get people to have to get some ideas for how to spot them and then how to deal with them.
0: Perfect that's a great introduction and it leads into our first question of the night mm-hmm. which would be for all of us watching what really is a plateau and how do you know if you're on one?
2: sure and I'll, I'll tackle the first but i definitely want to make sure everybody gets their their uh perspectives in because we got some great experience in this group and that is in my mind is when a plateau <clears throat> when you start an activity you you start learning things and you you sort of increase your knowledge and your abilities and then you hit a point where it just sort of goes flat it, it you really don't improve and you're, you're kind of feel stuck there You get used to that feeling of improvement, like when you go to a practice or you go to uh, classes, uh, maybe you go to perform and you feel like, oh, I'm a little better than I was a couple months ago. But then and within the SCA, you can wind up getting to be okay. I I can there are people that I struggled with fighting before and now I'm doing pretty well against them and or even you get to the point where you can handle them. They were beating you before and now you're able to to beat them and you feel like you're advancing, like you're you're actually getting better. But then you hit a point where, despite all your efforts, you don't get any better. You're not getting any better results against the same fighters that you're fighting, um, and you get frustrated. You're not sure why, you're not sure what you're doing. Um, I find plateaus are one of those things that happen, not so much in the first year, six months or a year, It's as you go along and identifying exactly why you're stuck uh, is kind of a different thing, but realizing uh, despite your work, despite you go to practice, um, something's happening. That's, that's, that's stagnating your, your progress. It's, it's keeping you from going up the mountain. You just kind of hang in one place. Um, And you can measure that, I guess, in a number of different ways, kind of depends on, whether or not you're doing like a structured martial art, or if you're doing a, a competition base, like within the SCA. And it's a little tougher within the SCA when you try to measure your abilities based on merely other fighters. Like I could beat this guy before and now I can't beat him now. Or, you know, maybe he shot up faster than you did. So all the all those targets tend to be moving around. So they're kind of hard to ascertain. But when you um, when you feel like you're stuck and you're not getting better, that's that's usually the very first red flag that you're on a plateau, and you think you should be advancing, and you're not.
1: I'd say so that's my simplest way Do to put it. Do
0: we have um, any other opinions on that as well?
1: I have a I have a thought that I uh, um, I know that um, in in learning certain kinds of learning situations, particularly when there are physical skills involved. Your mind has to understand it first and then your body has to be able to perform it and there's a lag between your mind your comprehension of it, your understanding of it and then your're being able to do it in the in the way that we we have thought about that the the um, <clears throat> the incompetent, uh, the the unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence. You start. Everybody starts with unconscious incompetence. They they don't know what they don't. They aren't good at it, and they don't know why. Then as they learn what they should be doing, they're conscious of their incompetence. Then eventually they become conscious of their competence as their body learns the skill to match their mind, and then the competence, there are certain things they can do unconsciously, certain skills that you don't have to think about how to physically execute them. And that learning process describes a lot of how people progress. And I think one experience of a plateau is when your, your comprehension, your, a mind, your mind is trying to grasp the concept and maybe has, but you you haven't quite gotten your body to do that. So you're conscious of your incompetence, but you're, you can't quite get the competence level to match your physically competent to match your mental understanding. And that isn't just those four steps. That happens with repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Because the better someone gets, the greater their understanding, the, the growth is un, of someone's understanding is unlimited. And so their ability will try to increase to their physical ability to match their understanding. And so that's one way of looking at plateaus based on how people learn. Mm-hmm.
0: Wonderful. Duke, Sean, I see you over there.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I think, I think Tristan covered pretty well the, um, uh, how the, how the, how the plateau kind of happens for us, but uh, the way I've always seen it is uh, it, it starts off with, with that learning curve and that learning curve is, is a, you know, slightly upward uh, progression. Um, and typically what happens is as you are learning a thing you get to a point where you finally understand that concept and it clicks for you and and it starts working and what happens after that point is you're going to keep doing that thing because it feels good and uh, as a as a byproduct of that you're going to be winning a lot more because you have this concept and winning feels good and so why are we going to do something that doesn't feel good, right? And so you, you what ends up happening is after you've hit that click point where it makes sense and you start doing that, well, then you s- just start doing more of that one thing because you're trying to get better at that one thing and you're having success with that one thing. So you start doing more and more and more of that. And while, you, while, that is, while you're doing that, you've gotten off the learning curve. You're not learning anything anymore and you're just doing the same thing and you're getting better at this one thing and it's getting you more success. But eventually that's, that's where the the plateau starts is because you're not learning anything anymore. And what ends up happening is you have some success with that early on. And, and the biggest thing is you don't know that you're on a plateau because you're having success. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, because you're not doing anything different, um, uh, eventually people start picking up on the fact that you're doing the same thing over and over again. And, and, and then all of a sudden you're not winning as many fights anymore because you're not doing anything different and you become predictable and, you know, and people are, are seeing or are being, are able to capitalize on the fact that you're not changing anything. You're not doing anything different. You're just doing this one thing. And all of a sudden, you know, all that success that you had, um, suddenly you're you're starting to lose fights a lot more and you're you're losing fights to people who you are probably technically more proficient than um, mm-hmm. but you're so wrapped up in doing this one thing that uh, you, you really can't see anything else and and so that's kind of how the plateau evolves and develops for us um, and, and you know and and being able to you know Just understanding that that's where that flat line comes from. The fact that you've stopped learning and now you're just doing the same thing over and over again, and that's predictable and that's
4: defeatable. I think I'm going to try to keep mine a little short here. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so I think you guys all covered, I think there's a lots of different ways we look at plateaus. Um, I think the last way we can look at that is sometimes you may not actually be on a plateau, Um, you, you, you may be competing at a level that everybody else in your practice is also gaining but because you don't feel like you're moving forward um, because everyone else is moving forward at that same level you start feeling like you're in that plateau and this happens when you don't have an opportunity to go fight other people Mm
5: -hmm.
4: so the the key to remember is that you know this is we don't become great in a day and and we have to keep a good mindset and we got to keep driving forward even if it's even in those times where you feel like it's an inch at a time and you're crawling at a turtle's pace, the, the idea is that at the end, that turtle still makes it over the finish line. And what you may find, especially if you're you know, maybe out farther from, from events or, or you have a work schedule that just doesn't allow you to go to other places that often is that you are advancing, but you don't feel like it. And because of that mentally, it drags you down. And then sometimes that can actually drag your, you know, the, how you're fighting down. I, I think the key there is to, to keep pushing forward and keep educating yourself constantly on stuff. Because what you're going to find is you, and this goes back to Sean's point, is you're going to educate and keep educating yourself on other things, keep working techniques, keep trying. And at some point, something will click and, and you'll get that physical piece that's able to do what the mental piece, you know, Hey, this is what I should be doing, but I physically can't. And then later it becomes, Hey, I can physically do this thing. And then unfortunately, mentally, you're like, when it breaks down, you beat yourself up. But, um, just remember that you may not actually be on as much of a plateau as you, you think you are. Um, sometimes you just, even if you can't get out to practices, find somewhere else to go during the week and say, Hey, can I come visit? and hit this practice, can somebody just put me up? Cause I, I I need to go fight someone else. And that really helps because that (laughs) going there and not having success or having success, that's a different feeling now. Mm -hmm. And either way is going to drive you to, to do hard, to work harder. And this is all about working hard. And so I, I would keep that in mind too. So be careful may not be on as much plateau as you think you are sometimes you just have to make the scenery train change
3: well I, I'd like to kind of piggyback on that um with uh something that I've I've seen here uh, especially when you have a high-end fighter practice and you have some of the some of the newer fighters at your practice that um that that feel like they're not getting any better and not understanding that the people that they're fighting against you know when you're when you're at a practice with with Ronos and Ronvalder um, and you're not getting any more victories uh, in your in your win column. Um, it, it, it people need to understand that that it feels like a plateau. It feels like you're not making any progress. But what they don't see is that um, it takes more effort for us to maintain a certain victory percentage against that same person. And so while that person is making progress, we just increase our effort. Um, and so they don't see it because they don't they don't it, it doesn't you know doesn't pan out into wins and losses and the point that he he made there about go to another group and and um when you're not fighting against you know some of the best fighters in your in your kingdom or you're not or at the very least you're fighting against other fighters and you'd be amazed at the progress that you see and that actually does translate into into victories against a, a different caliber of fighter
2: And I I can add one more thing before we go on to the, take some questions on this topic before we go on to the next question. And, And that is to measure not only your plateau or to spot your plateau by the amount of victories that you have, but also by your ability to execute particular things that you want to execute. And this is where I personally ran into some plateaus where I would, I would try to do a, an offense or a combination or, or some kind of a, a plan, and I wouldn't execute it to my satisfaction, but I could not figure out what was breaking down. And I, I from my background, I came from a place that was uh, pretty distant. Uh, there weren't a lot of experienced fighters in my area. So um, a lot of my my training, I didn't have the benefit of a practice like Sean's or Bronistas where there was a ton of really experienced people around that could come over and just say, here's what you're doing wrong and here's what you need to change. I did do a lot of figuring it out myself and and that led to some plateaus. And what I found was that uh, the success rate of, of whether of the number of fights that I won was a different metric that, from, all right, can I apply this particular technique properly and it keeps failing? Why does it keep failing? Um, so plateaus can kind of happen in different areas, not just uh, related to your victories and losses. Um, and of course, in practices, that gets a little distorted too. Um, and I definitely agree with, with, uh, Bronis's point about different practice groups. I remember having a housemate and, and we would practice and, and uh, she would get frustrated. Like, wow, I I can't, I can't touch you guys. Like it gets so frustrated. And then one day she drives another state away and comes back just glowing. Like, oh my God, I could just, I, I was mowing through people like they were grass, you know? And I said, well, that's, that's the benefit that you have when you practice with people that are, that challenge you and they, and they, they push you to those higher levels but you can't see it until you go to another group so um i've had the exact same thing happen um from from what ron describes
0: Great. Right. so i know we have um some more questions coming up
2: all right let us uh, let us in on it
0: all right well here this is this is kind of a thought i'm gonna switch you guys over to our gallery view where they can see all of you so everybody be on your best behavior okay gentlemen oh dear
4: It's yes. <laughs> a good thing i stopped eating <laughs> yeah
3: but I decided to fun.
0: warn you ahead is there, of time. There,
3: is there stuff on my face? I just finished <laughs> dinner myself, so...
0: So we're going to take just a brief little interlude for a fun question before we get back on topic. Um, for those that are joining us, um, the funniest place you've ever fallen asleep.
2: Hmm. Boy, that's, that's a stumper. I, I'm not one of those people that falls asleep at the drop, drop of a hat, so I... Uh, I haven't really fallen asleep in any
3: odd place.
0: Mm-hmm. Duke Sean, what about you?
3: Well, I was in the military, so uh, uh, we 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 can fall asleep pretty much anywhere. Um, I've I've slept under the benches of some of the the finest airports in the world uh, when I was traveling overseas. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, you can you can fall asleep anywhere. I'm I'm always envious of people like you, by the way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, it's it's. It's an acquired trait, that's for sure. It's not something you want to have. It's not something you want to try to learn how to do.
0: <laughs> Nick no. Branos, what about you?
4: Oh, boy. Well, I, I mean, there's you know, of course, airports all over the place. Uh, but probably probably the best was uh, I flew out to, I was flying into Milwaukee for uh, for some work in Madison, and I was like, it was a fighter school weekend in, uh, at, the, at that time in the mid-realm still. So... Well, way up in Green Bay. Well, I had no clue how far Green Bay is from Milwaukee. So I was like, oh, a couple hour ride. I should make it. So I ended up uh, having to stop at like 4 in the morning in a rest stop with no blankets in Aww. winter. And it was a good thing. I, I, so I slept in the, in the laying my feet in the trunk with newspaper on the top of me. Aww. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that leads us over to Sweet and Spicy. <laughs> oh dear. I
5: like
1: Duke sweet and um, spicy. I Duke love Duke that. Spicy. Um, when I was, when I was an undergraduate many years ago, I was taking a class called um, Sociology of the Arts. And it was winter semester. Um, and so it was cold out. It was an 8am class. And the professor decided that we were not going to meet in a classroom we were going to meet in the sociology department lounge which was in the basement of the sociology building and it had a lot of comfy chairs and couches and upholstered chairs and all his concert posters from the Fillmore when back in the day and uh, uh, so it was overheated and it was winter semester it was eight in the morning and at one point i realized everyone was staring at me and the professor said i don't mind if you fall asleep but if you snore we have to wake you up
4: so that was pretty much every court i've seen you
1: in (laughs) sometimes
4: you in palomar
1: (laughs) (laughs) so i did i did manage to get an a in the class
0: Good. That's all that matters. Yeah. Well, Tristan, I'm going to bring it back to you now. Okay. Um, let's come back to our speaker view. All right. So moving on, speaking about our plateaus, uh, you know, what is it that you believe causes plateaus?
2: Uh, I'm going to split this kind of into, into two and I'll keep it fairly brief. The first one is when you think what you're doing is right and you're incorrect. You'll keep doing it, you'll think I, I know what I'm doing is, is, should be the way to go. And this kind of touches on what Sean was talking about. When you do one thing, let's say you get down a rising snap and, and you're like, wow, I, I'm killing some people with this. And, uh, you just, I'm going to just keep riding that out and I know what I'm doing is right. And then you become predictable. Um, you're a one trick pony, but you know that that thing works. You've seen it kill people and you just keep doing it over and over and over again. And you, you are resistant to change. And it's because your ego is not ready to let go and try to do something different. Now, this is why uh, I think in the first six months or a year of a fighter's career, they don't happen to have this because they're just like sponges. They want to try you know, everything and, and they're stumbling along trying to find even one thing that works pretty well. Uh, you know. But And that's where that curve is really steep. But when they start experiencing that success, their ego attaches to it. And this is the second part, which is it's hard to say, for example, that let's say you get to the point where you're winning 55% of your fights and then you plateau, but you don't want to drop down to 45% in order to go up to 70 or 80%. Your ego just does not want to let you yeah. let go of that and say, I'm going to be worse for a while because yeah. I need to learn different things. And it'll sting. And I've seen it sting knights who want to get yeah. better. And they try to do something different and they start getting beaten, beaten by Squires that would never beat them normally <laughs> using their best stuff. And they just can't handle it. I've seen Squires not be able to handle it, Knights not be able to handle it. And I've I think I've seen Kings not be able to handle it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, nope, I'm not giving up on that on that precious success that I have. And they, they that's where they plateau it, at, at, you know, sometimes 60, 70, 80 uh, percent. And they'll never be able to take the elite guys. They'll never be able to handle a Sean or a Bronis ever. They they won't even have a chance because they'll just rest on those things. And I think that's ego. I think a lot of that is is, you know, your vanity.
1: I think if some I can, of it's
4: comfort as well.
1: Comfort, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's it's it is ego. It is vanity, which is the opposite of humility. Mm-hmm. And in order to progress, if you're trying to learn, and this is one of the things we talk about. And in practice, you, when you're, you have to, if you're focused on learning a new thing and you're in practice, you're not focused on winning. You're focused on learning the new thing. The learning, the new thing is winning, not defeating somebody. And when I was, I I remember at times when I was struggling trying to learn a new thing and I would get frustrated and I would just, oh, I'm just going to, kill my opponent Mm -hmm. using old things then i i lost because i wasn't focused on learning the new thing that was necessary to advance from the the plateau and so you're right it's it's ego frustration lack of perseverance lack of humility that that says i i can do this thing i don't care here who wins or loses, if I learn the new thing, I am winning.
4: Just a a real, I'll take the next real quick. I'm gonna make it short. I once, I I say this a lot to uh, my, there's a bunch of people on here that are from my practice and they probably tired of hearing me say it, but you know, I talk about, I rather take a person on that wins 30% of the time, consistent against the people he should and loses 70% of the time against those that he should be losing against, then somebody that's winning 70% of the time and is consist inconsistently against people and you know loses 30% of the time. Again, inconsistency even against people they shouldn't be losing to. Because what often happens in that case is the guys that are on the winning 30% of the time they're just they're they're chugging through, and the next thing you know, it's thirty-five percent. Next thing you know, it's forty percent. Next thing you know, it's fifty percent, and they're consistently building a fighting path. Where the guys that you know, I, I know a lot of hot dogs that come out, and they're they're really they're banging banging it out against. They can, including me, by the way, they're they're hitting dukes, they're hitting stuff, and then Joe newbie who just came to practice last week kills him in a tournament. And what happens is, well, oftentimes you when you're trying to learn something new that 70 percent of the time goes back down to 50 percent of the time and then frustration happens and they just go back to where they can get success and 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 then the learning path is that much longer because not only you know that he doesn't get the chance to think and figure out something because he's not taking that opportunity but he's also not learning how to be consistent against the people he should be consistent with so uh just think of it that way, and and that really goes out to those people who who feel like they're you know well oh, I'm only winning thirty percent of the time, if you're winning thirty percent of the time against people you're supposed to be winning against, then you're doing a darn good job
3: yeah, and uh yeah, these guys have all all, all covered it um yeah ego is a big part of it and and really what that gets down to is is you know my my eternal soapbox, which is victory conditions um. You know we we get into the reason we get into the plateau is because we find something that works and success feels good and we want to feel good while we're fighting and i think it happens more you know tristan was saying that that in the first six months you don't really you don't really see a lot of this um you know and the 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 reality is uh, my experience has been that that the first plateau that most people have to get over honestly, is in that first six months, because, you know, there's there's this thrill of, you know, I get to hit people with sticks and not go to jail for it. And then after about six months of, of doing that and just banging on people and, and having people, you know, just in, invite you in and let you bang on them. Well, eventually that becomes work. And that first plateau is you making the decision that you actually want to put some effort into this and you want to put some work into it. And a lot of these problems that that these guys are talking about, I think, manifest a lot in the, um, you know, after the first year um, for about another two to three years after that, where, you know, it's that medium range of success where it's your first taste of success and legitimate success. And, and you really are beating some people with some good technology and, and, and then it, and that just, it feels good. Mm -hmm. and, you get that ego involved and, you know, I'm going to keep doing this because it feels good. And while you're doing that, you're not learning anything else. And, and that's just, that's just the road to stagnation is, you know, it, you know, generally, you know, if, if you go to a practice and you can hit one person with the same thing, you know, three times in a row, um, maybe it's time for you to start moving on to something else and, and trying another technique after that. And at the same time, you might as well take the time to, tell that person that you just did the same thing three times in a row and see if they're interested in, in avoiding that or fixing that or, or what have you. But um, yeah, we get into the plateau because of ego, because of victory conditions, because success feels good. And, and, um, and, and then we, it, and it stops us. It gets us off of the learning curve and we're not learning anything new. That's, that's how we get there. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, there's
2: there's one other idea I want to toss out just to wrap this up. And that is because uh, we've talked about people that attach or fighters that attach to a few things and they just latch onto them like a dog on a bone. And, and that's where they, they run into their plateau. I've also seen fighters that have gone the complete opposite. They're always searching for a secret technique or a, a, a magic, magic uh, bullet magic bullet yeah. the magic formula that they'll talk to everybody they'll they'll seek out every night every instructor every anybody that could have a morsel and they're turning over every rock so much so that they don't actually devote really any time to anything that they're shown and they just go zooming over it and they they wind up stagnating because they're just trying to gather any little secret morsel that's going to be the, the magic success
1: that's where we see the 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 magic secret weapon with a rattan with pieces <laughs> that go like this and so on and it it looks like you know that's because somebody's looking for the secret weapon right that's going to be the, the 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 secret it's and and i i recall a fighter came up to me once and asked me what's the secret to being a great fighter and i i looked around and i motioned for him to come closer and i whispered in his ear practice and he, he looked at me and shook his head and, and stomped off because I was obviously keeping the secret from him. Right.
0: I'm gonna switch over to gallery view with all of you fine gentlemen, because we have a question. Hmm. Excellent. All right. Um, the question would be, Oops. where are the best events to find you all? Do you all have like your signature events that you go to?
4: Well, I, I'll, I'll cover. Um, usually I'm at two, sometimes three events a month when you know we're the, the, the United States isn't locked down by some virus. Um, so uh, I I know for me, I do a lot. I The majority of my time in the SCA has been just going to events and training. So um, there, we we have a lot of upgrade places where we get that time in and events to go to to train. TOC is uh, an event. Uh, it's a tournament of chivalry. Um, where our knights hold the field and people come out and, and fight each, you know, they'll, they'll rotate between the knights and the type of fighting they do and get a chance to get feed, feedback. And and also some places get to prove that, you know, hey, look, you gotta, you're got you gonna start looking at me because I'm gonna give you a tough fight. Um, so the TOCs are great. Uh, we usually have one or two of those a year. Uh, we have uh, a, a wonderful event called Rose Tourney um, in the mid realm also. Uh, the good part is our, uh, our spring crowns are usually a whole three day weekend over Memorial day the Saturday before has open field time and it's just train all day. Um, and then we have some big events like candle mass and things like that, but those are usually tournament all day. And the, and the training is it, the training there is you're going to go out and you're going to fight people from around the known world. In fact, uh, that come out and, and fight in that tournament. So, uh, but you know, those are, you know, just a few, um, but I'm going to tell you on, on the other note, um, I, a number of us go out to fighter schools all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I, know Sean and, and at least Sean and myself have been, uh, to a lot of fighter schools, including the known world ones, um, all over to all over, you know, the world really. Uh, so, uh, you know, that there's opportunity there and I know a lot of other great knights uh, that go out to these and, and will come and personally train and help, uh, at places like that so don't be don't be afraid to reach out i i know that all of these men here would love to give people opportunity to do that to to go and and enjoy a weekend with somebody and um you know i I would say it doesn't take an event to get a chance to necessarily fight us
0: Mm -hmm. all right any other comments regarding
3: John, you want to Answer
4: that yeah,
1: maybe.
3: so uh, yeah, I'm yeah. from the Kingdom of Artemisia, so I, I, I hit a lot more West Coast uh, events. Um, I'm usually at Estrella War in February down in, in Aidenbelt. Um I've been to Great Western War uh, down in Kaid, um, out in the West uh, quite a bit for, for some of their events. Um, and every other year uh, up in the Kingdom of Antir, up in the Portland, Oregon area, there's an event called Sport of Kings, which is a week of um, training uh, for uh, tournament-focused combat, um, and that is an event that I've been doing for more than 10 years. Um, they, they do it every other year, uh, so it would not have been this year. It'll uh, hopefully it'll be next year, and. So that's, that's an event that is, that is really right up my alley. It's, as Bronos was saying, some of the fighter schools that we go to Sporta Kings is, uh, is, is a magic place. Um, it's as a trainer, um, you, I have access to some of the best students in the world. The people that are there are, are disproportionately interested in being good students and, and interested in hearing the information that you have. And for, for fighters, uh, that is an event where you have access to the best trainers in the world. Um, so that's, that's when I, I hit frequently. Um, Penzik and, uh, Gulf Wars are events I love going to, but they are far enough out for me that, are, you know, we really have to kind of plan that out. Um, cause it's, it's a bit of an effort for us to, to get out there. Um, so I hit a lot of, a lot of West coast stuff. And, and as Bron said, I, I do a two day fighting clinic as well. Um, so any of us, you'd be surprised at how easy it would be to get somebody to come to your, your place to, uh, teach you. For a weekend.
0: Wonderful. Sure, so um, I'm going to come back to you. Yeah.
2: As as for me, I, I'm in the last ten years, I really haven't done much for eventing. Uh, I had a rotator cuff problem with uh, that resulted in a surgery that I didn't need, and it pretty much put the the skids on on my fighting, my com- competitive fighting. Big reason I'm not that very active anymore. But I do love training, and one of the events that uh, that that Sean has come out and Bronis both have come out to there was a group down on the north side of Chicago that put together a series of trainings where they brought instructors in from other places to teach their group. They had a a couple of unbelts there that were very serious about improving. And uh, I I went down and, and participated in a couple of those to help train. And I really love training people, love helping people out. And we, it was a small focus group, if I remember right, the we had maybe, what, 15, 20 people there. Uh, it was a full weekend. Uh, it was just at somebody's home. And uh, I think on one of them, we, they actually rented a small venue, but it wasn't like a regular event. It was just a, a sort of a private practice that was focused on improving fighting. And, and that was probably the, one of my favorite, other than, than either tournament chivalry that I really used to love. And then there was the shiver retreat in the mid realm that was just the Knights got together and beat each other up for a whole day. That was just dreamy, uh, but other than that, the that that those drill events—they they were called the drill. Um, I really liked those a lot. There was everybody was there that was interested in training. They were just eating everything up that we were showing with a spoon, and it was that those types of things are what I really love, and um, I'm getting that with Aikido as well uh, now. But basically, yeah, if you if you have somebody that wants me to come and teach and my squire did the same thing. He would come come and arrange a little group. I'd go down there and for a weekend show them, you know, footwork stuff, how to make offense and defense integrated, you know, as much as I could show them, that's the stuff that I really dig.
0: Very nice. We also, just getting back to the subject of plateaus, we've talked about um, what is a plateau and how do you know if you have found yourself upon one? Um, but not only that, what causes it, which kind of leads into the third part of all of this, which is what is the best way to overcome that plateau? Hmm. Hmm.
2: Who wants to start with that one?
0: Hey, you know what? The, the spotlight's on you, Mike. All friend.
2: right. Well, I can do that. A uh, couple of different ways. Um, and I'm going to reference also not, not only the SCA uh, environment, and this is where I would endorse what Brana says, change of, a change of venue. I've seen the same thing happen with uh, one of my fellow Aikido students. His plateau was that he got used to the practice group that he was in. He got used to uh, listening to his one instructor who became kind of a friend of his. And he just got to a point where his skills completely stagnated. Like he, he couldn't change everything. He thought he was kind of in that place. And through a series of sort of fortuitous events, he wound up switching to another instructor at a different dojo and from there, he just his skills, they were flatlined and then they, he, they started going up. He was listening to a different person. He was in a different environment. He was training with different students and, and different partners and that made all the difference in the world. So my, fee, my recommendation is change something up, change your habit. The habits that put you on that plateau are the habits that you have gotten used to and you've gotten comfortable with. So change them up. And I wanted to add into this episode That right now, because we're taking a break uh, from from our fighting and from our practices, you have a great opportunity. It may seem like it's sucky to have to not get into armor and practice. But when you go back, you can come in with fresh eyes. And I learned this when I would I had a couple times when I got injured. And I had to take a few months off of fighting, which I really hated, but I use that as an opportunity to say, all right, when I go back to practice, I want to take a new look at everything I'm doing. I'm not going to assume that anything that I knew before was right. I'm going to tear down my the perception I have of what I'm doing, and I'm going to look at it fresh again. And that really helped. Um, it, it was like I started afresh all over again. And I think if I just did that the next Thursday or whatever the night was, it's hard to wipe that out because to a habit you build week after week or practice after practice, after practice consistently. So you can use a break to break the habit. That's
0: wonderful advice.
3: Yeah, so I'll cover the next bit there. Um, very, very similar. My solution is very similar. Um, I've always said that once you recognize that you're on a plateau, um, and sometimes you don't actually recognize it, um, you have to have somebody point it out for you. But um, when you, when you recognize that you are on a plateau, the, the, the way you have to get out of it is, is a violent and rapid departure from what you have previously been doing. Because the reason you're in a plateau is because you're doing the same stuff as, as Tristan was just saying, it's the, it's the same thing. So you have to do something that is different and it has to be radically different. It has to be different enough to put you back on the learning curve, to get you back to the learning process and that means it has to be something that is that is different enough that it makes you feel stupid again and it makes you you know want to put in put in the effort and and to where everything is awkward and everything is wrong and it has to be that different because anything that is that is close to what you've been doing you know if if you're if you're a sword and shield fighter if you're if, if you're a right-handed sword and shield fighter and you switch to say quarantine well you still have that that stick in your right hand and that is still too similar to what you've been doing. Mm -hmm. Um but switching over to left handed fighting. I had one of my I've had actually several of my my previous squires I've you know said you're gonna you're gonna fight left handed for the next six months. And and at first um it, it it sucks. And uh that's the whole point is and again getting back to the victory conditions, right? if, if you, we get into the plateau because we get comfortable with what we're doing because we like what we're doing because success feels good and we need to, to get out of that. We need to go back to, to um, feeling like we don't know what we're doing. And that's, that's, you know, the point we've made before about embrace the suck, you know, because not knowing not the feeling of that, you don't know what you're doing is what drives us and what makes us put in the work Um, to get better at what we're doing and you know anytime you start getting comfortable every time you start feeling like you know what you're doing that's a pathway to the plateau and that and 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 it's gonna you'll just get stuck there and so constantly learning and constantly feeling like you have to change things up so that it's it's different and it's new and it and and yeah it sucks but you have to embrace that
2: actually I want to jump in with a funny story uh, that drives that point home um, and for those who don't know, when I was knighted, I'd never, I didn't even own a shield. I, I fought polearm and two sword, primarily a little bit of uh, two handed sword, but I was like, okay, I'm a knight. I better know how to fight with a damn shield. So, uh, and being at the time in the mid realm, we had shield limits were 26 inch max. So I'm six foot four. So a 20, 26 inch shield is not going to cover me very well. And my crazy long legs. And so, but I, I better learn to be good at this. So I'd pick it up, and of course I'd get my legs ripped off, and and I just felt like a, you know a child with it. And uh, it's like, why am I so immobile? And and I realized, well, I'm I'm quite good with a pole arm. I thought, what if I use the same footwork and leg work and movement that I use with a pole arm if I did that with the shield? And within a month, like my effectiveness with with sword and shield fighting doubled. And, and I wasn't planting my feet in, in behind that shield right in front of my face and, and thinking like a bunker. I changed my mind. And that is what really got me off of that plateau. So that may be something useful as a way. And I like the way that Sean described that the violent, sudden and violent change of perspective of what you are doing. And uh, so that something like that may help.
0: Thank you. Uh, Duke Bronos, do you have anything you'd like to add?
4: Hang on, let's unmute you. Yeah, I'll unmute. Oh, okay. Um, So, you know, and and we talk about, uh, I think we we think, all right, all of us, it's only the lower level people that run through this scenario and and have to make changes. And and that is far from the truth. In fact, the people on top of the game have it even worse because those changes are so small. In fact, most of the times you're, you're... just trying to fight what you try to keep hold of what you have <laughs> and, and make sure that technique is perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it, you're spending an incredible amount of time doing that, so you lose the ability to create. Um, and and, and that, that's a really, uh, uh, you know, that, that ability to make huge changes um, when, as you, as, as you elevate in the game, those huge changes could be, you know what? I'm going to move to my right and left, uh, six inches more. I'm going to make a more jolty movements. Y- those changes. I'm going to, I'm going to change the way I throw a shot. And so it's a relatively to somebody who's been throwing the same shot for so long, it's a huge change to the guy receiving it. They're like, uh, I used to block that uh, You're hitting me with it now, but I don't see any change at all hmm. for, for us. You know, and I, I I talk about this at our practice all the time. And his grace uh, me and him will stand in a corner and complain constantly. We fought way, you know, back 30 years ago. We fought, and you got in front of somebody, and you marched at him. You do it on their boots, and you, and you pounded stuff out. And then then it went into a real tension game where you're standing in front of him and just working stuff and just moving small and and doing this, but you're still in front of them, and. And then we brought in a lot of footwork. I mean, huge amounts of boxing footwork into ours. And and and, and for me and Ronvalder, I mean, this is huge. I mean, we constantly have to, even now, still have to think about it. But these brand new people come into our practice and they're like, oh, that's just the way you do it. So they're just doing it. It's no big deal. And and we look at them and I go, I hate those people because that's, that's just <laughs> the way they learn. You know so so don't be surprised i mean even if you're on top of the game these changes you have to make these changes i mean even today i, I posted something on a, another site that i have i'll i'll post it up on a coach's corner um but it it was kimbo slice breaking down uh the the, the idea of lead with the weapon he does a he does a little uh, youtube video where he does essentially uh lead with his with his hand instead of with energy right You don't don't pull your hand back and then punch it out. He he just stands there and he throws it like nice, like it's nothing, right at him, bang, there you go, no big deal, and touches the guy's glove every time. And it's because, you know, there's, and he talks about it in this video how it, how, how that works and, and how there's the the release and relaxation prior to tension and, and the snap and all of that comes at the end of something. Uh, I've been even digging a little further into it and I've actually played around with the idea. And this is, this is stuff that, you know, I, I I love the video because there's tons of stuff I do from it and, but there's other stuff in it that I really, I thought would benefit the people around me, including myself. But there's also a level of connection that, you know, even this connection idea um, that, that it's brand new to me and I've been tossing it around to people because what I want to do is validate and see how this works. And, and make that change, but, and, and may not be a huge change, but for me, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And then for people like Ron Balder, who are, who, who, you know, who I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do it against. He goes, okay, what are you doing? And then I'll do it, show him, And then he does it better than me, but you know, it's, it's, it's something that changed. So even on the top of the game, you have to keep making those changes. You have to keep looking at what's next. And, and that's what stops those, you know, that's, that's what Sean's talking about. You have to keep working on those changes. And sometimes those changes aren't going to work. Maybe that's just not for you. And you got to go look at the next one. But the thing you're doing is you're making a commitment and you're still in that commitment of moving forward and you're still engaged. And that's, and really it goes back to what Eli said. And that is you're still learning and you're still trying to push forward. And, and I think that's, you know, get the practice, do stuff and, and, You know, you may feel like you're not going anywhere, but you're going a lot farther than that guy. You're not going to practice.
0: That's a great lead-in, Duke Eliyahu. Do you happen to have any thoughts you'd like to share with us?
1: Let me unmute here. Yep, Uh, there we go.
0: Now we do also have a question from some of our Zoom participants, Um, but I'd love to hear from you first before we head on over to get that question.
1: Well, I and and. uh, um, continuing what Brano said it, it really is cons- consistency that person fortitude as a virtue is sticking with it even when it gets difficult and showing up and continuing to show up is that's that's the beginning just being present being there is necessary it's Important sometimes to change things up, and sometimes to go and do a different thing. But if you don't come back and don't continue with it, then you can't progress. It's um, <clears throat> it it's doing doing more um, and and doing it uh, uh, continually and and sticking with it. That's really essential. Showing up is the first thing that's necessary
0: i'm going to um hopefully go over to a question that we have waiting for us
2: we love questions yes we yes do please questions. keep them
0: coming all right give me just one moment get you we are ready with your question
6: she's familiar
0: uh, yeah
6: oh <laughs> your grace um <laughs> I like to ask about your thoughts on uh, mental plateaus. Um, I find myself I'm improving and uh, going up an incline with the physical aspect of fighting, Um, like my skills improving. I'm being told I'm doing things well and I'm increasing. Uh, However, I still feel stuck and I feel that it's mentally um, and I don't know how to, I guess, break the plateau of starting to believe in myself and having the uh, confidence within the fight. Because sometimes I feel like grasp it and then it disappears. And then I still feel that I'm stuck even though the knights around me are giving me uh, encouragement and uh, feedback saying I'm doing fine.
5: But let me tell you,
4: before you go, because I'm not going to talk to her much more than this, uh, (laughs) tell all your knights that they're wrong. Okay, now go ahead, Sean.
5: Okay.
4: (laughs)
3: this this sounds like a classic example of what I what I was talking about earlier. Um, are you are you at the roaring race practice? Yes, with with Bronos. Right. So yeah, you you are the classic example that I was talking about earlier of that person that you're fighting against Bronos and Ronvolder and and uh, you know uh, Halvard I think is there. Um, uh, you know, so you're you're fighting people that are that are just that much better than you, and and you don't recognize your own progress even though we do Uh, because we'll fight you and as we fight you when you get better we're going to put out enough effort to to just stay just a step ahead of you and 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 so even though you're making progress you don't feel it because it doesn't translate into wins and losses and and this is one of those things that is just really easy to get a bit frustrated with when you're at a at at a really high-end practice like this and um uh, you know, one of the best things that you can do for that is to go out to another, another practice somewhere else and, and, and not necessarily to, to fight lesser fighters, um, but to fight different fighters. Because um, no matter how good your, your local fighters are, there's going to be somebody else better in the kingdom. And, you know, you could, you could go to a practice and, and fight, you know, you can go fight Felix or you can go fight Dag. And the, the, the progress that you've made is, is going to translate differently. Even if it doesn't translate necessarily into wins and losses, you're going to feel that progress fighting those guys because they're different. Um, and, and, it, and it definitely, it definitely helps to, to, I mean, cause at some point you have to be able to have, have some sort of evidence or suggestion or some sort of belief that you are making progress. And it's just really hard to measure that against the same people you fight with on a regular basis, especially if those people are your trainers, um, and and if they are at a high end practice like that. So get out to other groups and fight a variety of skill levels. Um, this is why I think it's really important for us to fight amongst our contemporaries, especially at the mid mid level fighting ability and you know, at the you know mid mid range squire level. You fight your contemporaries you find those people throughout your kingdom that are similar in skill level and you fight them on a regular basis not for a uh not for a sense of competition but for collaboration um so you can see that they're making progress and they can see you're making progress and you can feel like like you're making progress i hope that helps it does could i ask you to
2: elaborate on uh, give me an example of what you're talking about for the 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 mind part that you you feel like you're stuck at a plateau at like an example
6: um so i'll work on I'll do Pell work or I'll work one on one with my knight and I'm doing things correctly, and we're like getting you know successful moments mm-hmm. and then I'll go fight somebody in either at my practice or I'll take it somewhere else and what I just learned does not translate into the fight like i'm 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 doing well practicing, but I'm failing at the test okay. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I think so. Now, do you feel that you're you're keeping your form that you did in practice? That, that that's translating. It's just that that the success is not there, or do you feel like you're actually uh, like for example, sloppier in tournament or, or in, in that facing that other opponent than you would be at, at the practice uh, working I on a hell or that sort of thing?
6: The one thing I've noticed with my fighting is if I'm it, I think it's all has to do with nerves uh, like the mental aspect of that, that I'm, I'm okay. Uh, Cause during it practice, it's practice. I know there's no failing, mm-hmm. you know, when you practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it comes to you know, tournament, um, I, my mentality is still around it as this is a test. Like I'm testing myself mm-hmm. and everything I practiced on, you know, practice exercises and the homework, like I did that well. And now it's translating into the test and I'm still failing, even though I'm trying to do everything right. Um, I'm trying to do what we learned at practice and trying to mimic what, not mimic, but recreate it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I think I, think I follow it. And one of the things that I, reason I wanted to ask this is there could be a number of different things going on. And I noticed this in myself years ago in almost every fighter that I've trained. And this is, I, I've referred to this as mirroring. If you practice really clean and you fight somebody like Bronos or Ron or, or somebody like that, who's very got good form, they're crisp. You'll start picking up the habits of being crisp. And then you turn around and go fight, fight somebody who's totally sloppy and you will be drawn into fighting sloppy. And one of the hardest things to do that I found was to fight your fight and do not let somebody who's, who's fighting is messy, draw you into being a messy fighter yourself. It's, it's so easy to do. Um, it's easy to get drawn into being a high energy fighter when your opponent is high energy. It's easy to be drawn into being low energy when your opponent is low energy. The, the key there is to, to, to learn that discipline. And, and I'm not sure exactly where you are on the curve. And I, I'd, I'd be careful not to presume anything, but it, it is, A little more difficult to go outside of the uh, the practice group that you're with, where you're comfortable into that uh, the tournament zone or where you go to an event or something. You're outside of that comfortable environment and it feels there's there's anxiety that goes on there. All that all of that stuff comes into play. And this is one of the reasons uh, that I that I do belt tests in, in Aikido, because when you're teaching in a class, there's a low pressure environment. That, that practice like you said practice is practice and you can fail in a practice it kind of bugs you a little bit but when it's game time your body will behave differently your mind behaves differently when the pressure's on and that's part of becoming a tournament fighter part of becoming a knight is to deal with learning to be good and performing under that pressure not just when conditions are are cool and it's it's just practice or it's just sparring and i went through a period of that time uh, in that time myself where i was very good at sparring i could practice really well because i did well when there wasn't the pressure but when i started going to tournaments especially higher pressure tournaments i didn't have the mindset skills yet and i would start to crumble i would lose fights against people that i in a in a practice sparring situation i'd annihilate them and it was the mental game so uh that there's more to it than just i'm i'm good at the physical now i'll be good at the mental the mental part is much bigger than the physical part, and it's, it's not easy to master. So I would just advocate patience, you'll, you'll get there. Um, you've got some great teachers and you've got probably one of the best practices in the known world uh, that you can get people to advise you and you can see great examples of, of the mental game. And one of the things that I can bring up just very quickly is that you've got people there that can show you how to study fights if you want to be a good mental fighter you've got the perfect mentors there to show you how to analyze watch fights form your plan that's the basis of the mental game is to not just trip out onto the field and, and make make something up when they call Leon but have it here's what I'm going to do here's why I want to do it here's why it's going to work and then you execute that
3: so yeah I'd like to go back to, to what you were saying about the uh about the tournament and and uh One of the reasons that people don't like fighting tournament is because um, I I talk about the tournament as an evaluation, right? It's it's an assessment of how well you understand the the material that you've been working on. And that's an opportunity for you to see where you are deficient and where you can, you know, I've made progress in this part. I need to go back and start working on this other part.
0: But one of the reasons
3: a lot of people don't like fighting tournaments is because they feel like it's a judgment like it's a character assault, like you're a bad person because you only went to an out. And that's one of the things um, that that you'll need to reevaluate uh, for for yourself when you when you go into a tournament and just realize that it's it's an evaluation, but it's not a judgment. Mm-hmm. it's It's an opportunity to discover how well you've worked on the thing. And, and and to Tristan's point, when you get to that tournament, the only thing you can do, is you, you, you fight the fight you have, not the fight you wish you had. You you just execute the fight as best you can and and, and expect to get you know the evaluation later without having any expectations of how far you're gonna go on a list and really without any expectations of whether or not you really have made progress on something you've been working on, because this is the whole point of the evaluation is did you or did you not make progress? And that progress does not always manifest itself in victories. Um, and, or or in losses, honestly. Um, so just fight your fight and, and being able to, to understand that, yes, it's an evaluation, but it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a damning judgment. It's, it's just your data mining. You're doing data collection, you're collecting information. And every time you lose a fight, that is information that, that, that gives you an opportunity to find out where you're deficient. And if you kind of look at it more like that, then you're better able to simply execute the fight that you have and just let it play out however it's going to play out and and not worry about whether or not you've made progress because that will be evident by the end of it if that makes sense
4: can I end this, this one up um, and I'm just going to ask you a question. I know exactly some of the answers are on this um, but uh, you went to candle mass for I believe at least two candle masses now. Correct. Um, Your first candle mass, how'd you feel?
6: Awful. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good place to
4: start. So, everybody knows our candle mass is about usually about 120, 140 fighters from sometimes six, seven kingdoms with, you know, six, seven different kings fighting in it, even, you know, um, and uh, usually in the range of 30, 40 knights. Uh, But so that was a rough tournament, and there's no there's no holes barred there, right? Nobody's gonna give you quarter.
6: Nope.
4: How'd you do this time?
6: I Hi. got. I got a kill.
4: Okay, and but did you feel more confident in this one? Did you? Was this awful?
6: Uh not as awful as the first one, but mm-hmm. I. Yeah, it, it was still rough.
4: Yeah, but you went through it, right? Yes. So was it better than the first one? Yes. Did you think you grew from between the first one and this one? Yes. So my, my point here is for everybody. It doesn't, doesn't mean you have to win and get through these rounds like Sean says. You did better, and, and you have to take that as a feather in your cap, and that you did learn, and, and these things are working. Sometimes the techniques that your people are showing you at practice, these things are – they'll show you something, and it's just the beginning, right? There's all kinds of things that have to come into place for that shot to hit. And some, and much of that is timing and that timing changes. As soon as you go to fight somebody else, that timing is going to change. So you have to get used to that timing. And, and those are the types of things. So you, at first you're not going to hit anybody with it. And then somewhere down the line, you'll hit somebody with it. And you're like, Hey, I figured out that timing. And then later on, you'll be going to hit two, three people with it. And you're like, I'm starting to like that blow. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're then, then that's kind of how it builds but give yourself credit give your always have to give yourself credit for the things that you have done better and, That's and you, just, you deserved it exactly you, and you just you keep building it on it exactly yeah.
0: thank you do you happen to have any more questions for us while you're here i i don't think you have more questions thank you, question. thank you, so thank you
4: for, for your question
2: yeah thanks
0: thank you i'm going to oh, i'm going to switch over to gallery view um we have a question, a few questions, actually.
2: All right, great, uh, <laughs> the more the merrier.
0: Yay, one of which is, uh, what do you do if you regress due to an absence or injury and then you can't get past that? Hmm. Do we have any takers on that
3: one? I, I think I can, I, I think I'll hit this one up. So one of the things about having a, a, a an absence of any length um, and, and of course, the, the the, the longer it is, the more, more difficult it is. You know, we've all seen people that have been out for, for, you know, if, if you, if you took a break from fighting for say five years, um, the the sport has changed. Uh, it's gotten better. And if you come back into it thinking that you're going to be the same guy that you were before, you're going to be pretty disappointed. Um, when, when you have a, a lengthy departure um, sometimes that, that departure is what you need. Um, you know, Tristan was talking about, you know, you get an injury And, you know, it just happens at a time when and and my one of my most famous plateaus moments was uh, when I injured myself and because I didn't know I was in a plateau and ended up getting, you know, forced to take eight weeks off because of because I had a boxer's fracture. Um, And uh, it was one of the best things that ever happened for my fighting, because when I got done, I was able to approach it with fresh eyes and come back and 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 uh, basically. I was able to treat my fighting as if I knew nothing about it. So when you take a break for any length of time, you have to approach it um, as if you're starting from scratch, understanding that however much time you'd spent in armor before that, all that time counts. So it's not like you're it's not like a total reset. Um, all the time that you've been in armor before that counts, and that will be applicable. Um, but if you've been out for say even two years. Um, you need to treat this as if you know nothing about it, get back to the basics, um, and be okay with, with, with starting over. Uh, this is something I see in a lot of people that start fighting, uh, a little bit older in life and they try to make up for lost time by trying to fight harder instead of just trying to fight smarter and understanding that, um, you know, it, it takes as long as it takes to, to get good at this. And, if, you, if you're trying to beat the clock and if you're trying to make up for lost time, um, it, it's actually going to drag you down and it's going to take a lot longer and it's going to be a lot harder. Um, but if you just treat it like you don't know anything about it and treat it like you're starting from scratch, um, you'd be surprised at how how much the good stuff comes back and how much the bad stuff just goes away.
0: Thank you. Do we have any more comments on that particular question? Yeah, I like, I like that.
2: And that's probably the language we should have used when you say when you discover that you're fighting harder and not smarter, that's probably what an indicator that you're on a plateau. When you're trying to be more athletic, you're trying to, oh, I gotta go hit the weights and I gotta get stronger and I gotta get more powerful and I gotta get faster. You're you're probably getting distracted from fighting more efficiently. And more efficiently will be you're smoother, you're more relaxed. That's where you will you will be going up. So I think that's uh, another indicator. Um, and then the solution, fight smarter, not just harder. I'd say those are good things to uh, to attach to, regardless of whether you come back from a break or not.
0: Great, thank you. We have another question from the viewers. Um, I know we've kind of touched on this before in the past, but for people that are just tuning in for the first time this week, the question is, what would you recommend for gaining feedback? Since we are all kind of dealing with a pandemic and we're in quarantine, how would people go about getting feedback?
4: I guess I can
2: run on that one first. Yeah, go for it, Yeah, there are a number of uh, Facebook groups and video sharing that, that can solicit. You can load upload videos for feedback uh, and you will get it. You, you, you'll get quite a bit of feedback. Uh, make sure you really want it. Sometimes too much, um, but I, I, I think that it can be helpful. You're going to have to sift. That's going to be a bit of a challenge, but even just videoing yourself and watching yourself do it can be very enlightening. Be, learn to be your analyst. Um, and it works a little better if you've got a little bit more experience and, and have watched other fighters and, and figured out kind of how they make things work and how they succeed. And then you can see that fighter that you've never seen yourself and, and I remember watching video of myself fight for the first time. And I was like, who is that crazy? He, he doesn't move like anybody that I've seen move. And, and it was me. Um, and I got to see all my bad habits. And I was just kind of like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> uh, but but it, it will give you a whole new perspective on it, even if you don't show it to anybody else. Uh, and the only recommendation really that I would I would make, if you are going to put up video for other people to look at, Try not to do it just as a practice about. You really need to, to show what your fighting is like when you are on your best. You're really trying to succeed. Uh, having, having people like uh, you know experienced fighters watch you just play around at practice is not going to be very constructive. Um, it won't be as constructive of here's a tournament fight that I was really trying to win. It's much easier to break that down. Um, that's just from my observation, but I'm sure these guys will have some other great things to say too.
4: Um, just on that note, you know, in fact, I was just uh, just reviewing my squires video from a practice that uh, you finally got to, to, to fight another gentleman that's local. Um, and uh, my final review of his fighting is on it tomorrow, but I asked him to go through and count every blow that he threw offside, onside, and thrust. Um, because I wanted him to start realizing what he was doing. And when he went back and counted that, he was not only astonished, uh, because I told him that, you know, soon he's not gonna be able to use the thrusting tip anymore because he won't have one, um, but that uh, he uh, he went back and counted and he was like, oh, that's a lot worse than I thought. Um, so, you know, that's that self-review that Tristan's talking about here. You know, it's, it's important because you're going back and, and what you think and what you do may be two, two, two incredibly different things. And that's the time when you can make those changes. Um, uh, we talked about this actually in our first, uh, our, our first talk in coaches corner about coaching and training. Um, there are a lot of sites and there's always sites and groups coming up, put, you can put some video out there, but you know, if you have somebody you trust that you practice, send them that and say, Hey, can you help? You know, I, I'm, I'm throwing stuff at the Pell right now. Can you tell me if, the, if this looks good? Do I need it? And then when they give you some feedback, go back out there and try it. And you know what? You want to help them. Ask them to give you, show how that works, supposed to work, and go make them go hit their Pell and send you video and and create that helping culture that we we are all in this helping culture. There is there is nobody that sits here and makes money. Well, I mean, there probably are, but you know makes money off of teaching other people. We share everything we have. Right. If, if, if some of these top people like Sean and, and wrong and some of these in, in Uthers and, and, and I can just name more and more, but you know, if, if they were in a real professional sport and they, they spent that time and effort and stuff, you know, there's a good chance they'd make money and maybe it's not actually beating people up, but it could have been in the coaching field and, and the, and the training field and all of those places. These people are really good and they're offering that help. So go find you know, there's people out there always offering help. Find somebody that you trust and if it's you don't have anyone local and you put your video out there, find that one guy that seems to give you a, some feedback that you really like and then ask him if, just contact him and say would you mind if I send you a couple of videos privately and see how that comes back. Also do do all of us a favor, don't send 52 fights <laughs> send, send send a small clip so that that, you know, and, and I don't need to see every win because I'm not the guy knighting you. All right. I want to see, in fact, I, I want to see what you do naturally. And I want to, I want to see the losses so I can tell you what probably happened there. So, so be careful on, on what you send. I don't want to see your, you know, hey, I'm going to edit all my crap out. Well, that's great. You're not helping yourself. Leave that stuff in there so people can help.
3: Yep. Likewise, I want to see, I want to see the worst of what you have, and I can give you an, a solid evaluation of what you need in three minutes or less.
0: Wonderful. All right, we're switching back over to gallery view. Um, hello, gentlemen. Are you all on your best behavior? We can see all of you right now. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hello. We have somebody joining us. All right. Um, now, before we move on to any other questions, I'm sure we will have more questions coming in.
6: Sure.
0: But in the meantime, we will take a brief little interlude for something a little more th- lighthearted. What would be the worst ingredients to fill a burrito with?
2: Oh, oh boy. At the rough <laughs> I'm going to go with Vegemite. No, man i've had that and he is right nastiest (laughs) i can't even believe anybody would eat that stuff
4: put put a lot of butter in it 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 gets better
2: (laughs) (laughs) you're trying to trick me
4: and i'm not falling for it
0: (laughs) is that the winner nobody's got anything worse i
4: don't know there's some viking foods if you have to bury it in the ground and pickle it i'm really not sure
1: yeah there are a lot of bad foods i i would say an egg salad sandwich from a gas station <laughs> in, in a burrito in a burrito <laughs> would be bad that would be i wouldn't do that yeah,
3: i would say i would say that uh, like lootfisk is uh pretty awful no matter what you're putting it in so putting yep. that in a burrito would probably have to be pretty awful
2: exactly Serve me up some Vegemite, I'll leave the lutefisk, thank you. <laughs> I live in Minnesota, so I can attest to that, uh, the nastiness.
0: I have officially lost my appetite, thank you. <laughs>
4: That's what we're here for.
0: <laughs> um, as of right now, it looks like things are calm and quiet. It might be a quiet before the storm, who knows? Mm-hmm. But I don't see any specific questions coming in. We're going to hang tight just for a few more minutes in case we have any questions final questions before we part ways tonight, um, which allows me to torture you a little bit more in the meantime, and then we'll have some closing remarks. What is something that people are obsessed with, but you just don't get the point of
2: speed? Yeah, uh, everybody loves to be a speed freak. Um, I'd say that's my first one. Um, in fact, we're going to do a show on that this next week about uh, talking about speed and timing. Uh, I th- think it's it's one of those things that every fighter gets, and every martial artist, not even just SCA fighters, they're seduced by just being, I just got to be faster. If I'm so fast, nobody's going to be able to block my shots or, or to, to deal with me at all. And they will pursue that speed, and they'll usually rush. And they'll usually turn their technique into garbage. They'll turn, they'll, they'll abandon their defense to be just blazing fast. And I'd have to say that that's the most attractive and most seductive thing that will take you off of the path of being a very effective fighter. is just to pursue raw speed.
0: All right. We still have, you know, a few more of you guys sitting there.
3: Uh, I, I think that the, the thing that, that people are obsessed with that, that kind of drives me crazy—is something that Eliyahu uh, mentioned, and that's the the, the magic bullet, um, the witch, uh, you know, the, the, the magic secret bullet. weapon, the magic, oh, yeah. uh, weapon. Yeah, you know, that. how do I, you know, the how The perfect I, shield. Uh, yeah, the perfect shield, the perfect <laughs> weapon system. The, you know, just the, the shortcuts. You know, trying yeah. to trying to be better, faster, instead of you know taking that taking that time to build a foundation and. You know trying to you know we run into it all the time it's like well i could do this and this and this and um you know yeah so that's, that's one of those things that, that that people get obsessed with that i think yeah, i just i just don't get
1: yeah i'd say shortcuts in in general not just in fighting but in so many different kinds of activities because it's as I, I learned, don't focus on the result, focus on the process, learn to be, learn to master the process, learn to be in the moment and be in the process and doing, which involves thinking and analyzing and seeing everything, but don't look for shortcuts, shortcuts, you, you, the only way through, the only way through is to go through, you can't, there's no around and there's, no under and over and no shortcut, you have to actually do it. So there's no secret weapon. Yeah, I I think all of us have developed our own preferences for specific kinds of equipment and, and things, but basically somebody who's, who's skilled, you can, they're skilled and the, the skill is in, in them because they've mastered it and they can do work with Almost anything, any tool, any weapon, any system, any—you know—even <clears throat> um, as, as I was explaining to someone, I—I I don't like cheap tools. I don't like cheap paint brushes. Uh, I have very specific preferences, but I can paint something reasonable with a crappy paintbrush. You just have to learn how it 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 informs you how it wants to be used and the same is true with a sword it informs you how it wants to be used you don't use um a long sword the same way you use a rapier the same way you use a dagger the 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 thing itself is is part of the the learning process so there's no secrets there's no shortcuts there are techniques there's things to be learned there's process but there are no shortcuts. I don't like shortcuts.
0: We do have a question from the audience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are there muscle groups that you feel are essential to keep strong, to stay healthy fighting?
4: Beyond your brain?
0: Beyond your brain.
4: So, <laughs> no. um, you know, I, I think, you know, we're not going to, it's hard for anybody to sit and, and say that being in better shape being having more endurance and doing these things will not help your game because they will, but they are not the answer to it. They're, they're not the shortcut to, to like Tristan said earlier, they're not the shortcut If just cause I'm stronger. doesn't mean I'm going to be able to use that to, to pound somebody down more. In fact, sometimes those types of things can hurt you because you, you're like, Oh, I got this strong and now I should be able to do this. Well, You got to be careful in that all of the things around you come into play. And the only way is, you know, I, I work out, in fact, I work out, just got done. In fact, I, I work out a lot more now because I had some injuries and I had to get back into a shape and, and I thought, you know, it wasn't to become a better fighter. It was to essentially make that injury strong enough so I could continue fighting and. You know, and if that's endurance and because we, you know, I, I know tons of people, a lot, you know, runners and things like that far better than have better endurance than me, but then we'll get in a fight and I'll tear them down with tension. Because it's a different level of energy. And so, you know, but that doesn't mean, you know, they're getting, I it takes me longer to tear them down than somebody else necessarily. So. All of these things come together. So if it's strong, leg, like I'm a big believer, good strong legs develop power from the ground, right? It develops that kinetic power towards your opponent if you're, if you're traveling in a straight line. Uh, that's fundamentals of boxing, right? And, you know, uh, if you're a rotational thrower, stronger shoulders will help control the edge of your shot and, and your sword. Um, so all of these things go in. To make your fight, it's not one thing. It's you know, it's we we got to go do some some endurance stuff, and we got to go do some weightlifting stuff. We got to do some core stuff. We got to all of these things. We got to do brain stuff. We got to do agility stuff. We have to do, you know, if we talk about uh, reaction stuff, like uh, you know, people like Lomachenko and things. It's pure reaction stuff with with light type of bars that you that you hit and base your reactions on. So all of those things go in to make a great fighter. Some people can put those things together. Some people have harder time put those together. Um, but, you know, take a look at your style. See what fits to make your style better and strengthen those things uh, is, is what I would say. Yeah, I, I, I,
3: I like the answer that Bruno started with. Uh, you mean besides your brain? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, they, our, our, ours, as with many martial arts, um, at the highest levels of execution of our sport, um, ours is a much more mentally uh, oriented sport than it is a physically oriented sport. Um, this is a sport that is ridiculously forgiving to a non-athletic body type. You can actually be really good at this and not be in incredibly great shape. Now, I'm gonna, I'm, I have to preface that, of course, with saying, being in better shape our sport is always better Um, but it it, you know this this is a sport where I mean a lot of people are just weekend warriors for the most part they're they're you know we we don't treat it as much like athletes as as a lot of other sports do and and yeah you can actually execute reasonably well without being in superior physical shape Um, but yeah being being in better shape will will always be better but um, you know the the mental aspects of this sport is why I think You can, I I think fighters get better at this, the longer they do it and the older they get, as long as your body is basically capable of of carrying around the weight and throwing the sword. um, You know, we actually get smarter and and as we get older and, and that experience um, definitely makes for some of the better fighters. And that's why, you know, as, as, as our, our sport gets older and our fighters get older, A lot of guys that are, a lot of the top-end fighters that are, you know, guys that are hot fighters in their 50s were hot fighters in their 20s. And, you know, as long as you're in basically good basic shape, you can carry on for for a long time.
2: I guess these are both great answers, and I'll only add on to that. Uh, Avoid thinking that you're going to go start doing heavy deadlifts and work on the large muscle groups you will actually go backwards because the the movement that's required with fighting, throwing shots, the control is from smaller controller muscles, not the large muscle groups. So don't go pounding away on your triceps and your biceps and your quads and thinking that that's gonna improve uh, your, your sword throwing. You really wanna develop the muscles that are involved in the kinetic chain of you throwing the blows. And every sport is the same way you'll see swimmers have a certain body configuration because their body is built for swimming. And with sword fighting, uh, I've seen a number of people try to really hit, hit the gym hard and get big because they think big shoulders equate to good throwing mechanics, but they don't. Um, yes, having a little more muscle will make you a little faster and being stronger, it certainly helps. But where the injuries tend to happen, and maybe we can cover this in our uh, injuries episode we've got coming up, is when those small muscles that are controlling the direction of the sword and the power that comes through the legs, when those small muscles have trouble, then you're gonna start getting small muscle tear injuries that's gonna cause problems. So uh, the way to solve that is to work those smaller muscles. One thing that I wish I would have done that would help me is to work with Indian clubs. Uh, Back when I was doing um, fighting, it would have helped uh, my shoulder keep it stabilized, get those small controller muscles, and they use one pound clubs. Uh, you can go up to a two pound, but things like that to keep your shoulders fluid, open, moving, and those small muscles to get them in shape and strong. That would be my recommendation uh, for anybody that's looking at conditioning for uh, doing SCA combat. Hopefully that, that makes sense.
0: Thank you. We have another question. Um, question being for each of you as fighters, how are you currently avoiding plateauing yourself right now?
4: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on that gun right away. Right? We're doing this. <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah. Um, one so, of the best, I'm gonna tell you, one of the best ways to learn is to teach. Um, because I'm gonna tell you that every time I show something and you, you, know, you stress so much more about being perfect in what you do. That sometimes you you after you're done teaching somebody, you're like, oh, I'm so sore because I've been sitting in that spot for all day, you know? And uh, and and you recognize the times that you're weak and what you're weak in. So it's, you know, there's that there's that place where you're constantly trying to, to push forward, and make techniques perfect. Um, the other times it's like you guys send videos and and it's like, hmm. you know, I get to watch a lot of fighting videos. I'm like, I like that shot. I'm gonna see if I can do it. You know, and uh, sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. Sometimes it takes a long time to work on. Um, And it's not only the videos I see in the SCA. And there's a lot of video review. There's tons of video on YouTube that just go out and review and watch. Grab a couple friends. Have a couple of uh, adult beverages if you're old enough. And and review and say, hey, let's watch that shot again. That's really cool. You know, Um, and and for me, uh, my last... Probably 15, 20 years has been watching boxing and boxing videos, training videos in boxing, uh, the Kimbo video, the talks about what I what we're doing. I, I, I have uh, like I said, I have another site that I post up boxing Tristan's out there and reads them all the time about footwork and, and generation of power and kinetic energy and, and all of these things. Uh, you know I got I pulled a ton of footwork out of uh, you know, originally out of some great people with feet. In, uh, wait, you know, a minute, uh, wait a minute,
0: wait a minute. You pulled footwork from people that had great feet? Like, they yes. actually had feet?
4: That actually had feet, yes. And they, oh, they're okay. very pretty feet. Okay, or,
0: got it, yeah. got it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but but they, you know, these guys were good boxers. They controlled the ring with their feet. So, you know, instead of rotational movement, you know, when somebody goes to your outside and you turn, you're behind a half beat already. In fact, that opponent's controlling you so if he makes you turn one way he can make you turn the other way really fast and then you don't know which way now you're just chasing to get in front of him again so but if you travel with them sideways you're always in the same or very close to the same beat you're in the same form of your swords and shield are in the same place where you can still throw and you know some all of those kinds of things you watch these people and you can see that in their feed there's nothing better i see it in the sda I'll, I'll see somebody doing that and i'll be like hey you know what you're doing he's like i have no clue Does they have good feet <laughs> you know they figured it out this works you yeah. know um so you know so you go and search i mean if you're really really dedicated to go and search i mean when i first started doing some of the lomachenko stuff you know i I, and the huge footwork stuff, I, I I was like, oh, this, why does this thing work against, you know, another mountain of a man of art that used to be at our practice? And, and, uh, and then I did it. I'm like, I'm going to give this a try against some other people. And then, you know, I'm an idiot and try it against Wrongvalder. And, uh, but it worked against Valder I'm like, why is this working? Now I had to break it back down and figure out why it worked. And, you know, that discovery is super exciting. I, I would tell all you to go and, and find. And if it's an it's a SCA video, if it's the way Sean throws something and you can throw that now, it's like there is nothing better than that, mm-hmm. you know? So find it. Those, those types of things are exciting. And, and those types of things can break you out of a plateau because, because you're excited about what you're doing again. You're motivated, you know? And, and, and there is nothing better than that passion that you had when you first came in. You know, we got to carry, after 30 years, I still have that passion of finding something that changed, that that revolutionary piece that I can pull and help people learn and become better and have our whole sport become better.
0: Count Tristan, I'm actually going to come back to you on this one.
2: Sure. Uh, And I would say this is, uh, I found investing in other people was the huge the huge jump for me. And that was whether or not I was, I had squires or whether I had uh, just people that came to me and said, Hey, I want you to sh- show me something about how to be a better fighter. Like that's, that's what I really attached to. Um, and maybe it's just part of my personality. I, I liked being a good fighter, but I wasn't so driven to be the best that that was my only soul. My, that was my sole focus. I very much enjoy sharing those light bulb moments with somebody when I can and go, wow, I can really do this. Like, this is, I, I couldn't do this a minute ago. This is really great. Like I, I, I enjoy that a great deal. So um, I guess some people are, are, their interests are a little different, but that's what I found to be that, what I was passionate about. And i led that, that led me into Aikido. And I, that's why I enjoy teaching. And it really doesn't matter what I'm teaching, as long as it's, I'm sharing with students that sense of their sense of wonder when they find out what they're really capable of doing, like that's that's to me really fantastic.
1: If I can add to that, um, uh, seeing the light go on is is wonderful. You, you Sublime trying... would be a good word. Oh yeah, it's 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 great. Um, and I just I just got a couple of thank you emails from students who just graduated which was, it's the best, makes it really worth it. Um, but that's part of it. And I, I, and so it's, as Brown has said, teaching is a way of um, refilling your, your cup while learning can be a way of emptying it and I'm mixing metaphors here, but um, recharging yourself by teaching, but emptying your cup, studying something different or new or new technique, Within fighting or, or studying something related but different, it can be a way of recharging as well. And so, um, being finding something to be a beginner again at it can be really effective. Taking on a new challenge. Yep, exactly, exactly.
3: Yeah, I think uh, Bronos had kind of touched on this earlier that uh, you know, with with you know, experienced fighters, we still have the plateaus. Uh, the difference for us is they are shorter lived, but, but more severe uh, because the the changes that we need to make are such small refinements in, in, in the execution of our sport. Um, so they are, they're, they're shorter lived. We know how to get through a plateau. We know how to, how to work through that. But, but some, sometimes when we find a, a thing, you know, that is, that is, you know, mind blowing and you know profound um, for us that. You know that a lot of people just you know don't understand why we're putting so much effort and working on one little tiny thing, Um, and that's because that's that's the improvement that we need is that one small thing. Um, The 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 best way to deal with the plateau overall is to avoid it if if possible, and the way to avoid it is is trying trying different things. And I I have the the privilege of being able to fight world class fighters uh, at my practice on a weekly basis when we're when we're allowed to, um, and, you know, going to fight somebody like Duke Timmer or Duke Floki, um, and, you know, being able to go into that fight saying, I wonder what happens if, uh, and, and just, you know, just indulging in the discovery and the what if of it. And, you know, I mean, I've been fighting these guys for 20 years, you know, so what happens when I do this and what happens when I do this and, um, you know, and that's that. It, it becomes somewhat humorous when you find out that they were doing the same thing. And so, you know, when both of you are trying something you're not very good at, and then you know, you both both getting uh, both getting embarrassed. Um, but uh, yeah, just the discovery of it, and and what the what if, um, and that that's one of the ways you can avoid the plateau is just indulging in the what if. Uh,
0: Your excellency Tristan, I'm coming back to you for a moment because we've talked about how to overcome your plateaus and different sources of inspiration. Do you have any particular reading material?
2: Yeah, I do. And if there was a a top five list of books that I would recommend every human being on the planet read, this would would come in probably the top two or three. And it's called Mastery, the Keys to Success and Long-Term Fulfillment by George Leonard. And George Leonard is an Aikido instructor. Although this book is not about Aikido, it's just about pursuing mastery. And one of the things he talks in here about is plateaus and he, it's a very fast read. I think it's only like 200 pages. I mean, you can literally breeze through it in about an hour and a half, even if you're not a speed reader, very uh, easy on the eyes, but it will enlighten you to your personality and why people get stuck on plateaus. And it is absolutely fantastic. I've given it to, I had one of my students that was stuck on his own plateau for more than six months, eight months. And he read this book and he was off the plateau immediately because it's the mental part. It, it opened his mind to understand himself a little better and what he was looking for. And it was something that even though he was in class and I was coaching him and, and advising him, for some reason, by reading it, he absorbed it better than by hearing about it or you know, the normal uh, mentor-student type relationship where you've got coaching going on and that sort of thing. And um, the the mind is a very tricky thing, and it can take examining yourself to see that you're on a plateau, not merely having somebody else pointed out for you. And any teacher will tell you, you can try to lead your student to the enlightenment part, but if they're just not ready to go there, you're just not, they're not going to get there and you cannot force them to do it. And this book really uh, uh, led him to overcome his plateau. So I can't recommend it enough. And I can... Uh, when the when the video goes up, I can I'll throw a link in the uh, description part for it. It's a fantastic book.
0: Thank you, wonderful. I'm going to switch over to gallery view, gentlemen.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So as of right now, um, the questions look like they have been answered. So we have
2: far. answered the questions of the universe, my friends. <laughs> there you go. Mission accomplished. <laughs> That's no, right. Of life. And we're done. <laughs> and seen.
0: Um, but. As, I guess, hmm, a little transition piece, would each of you give some insight as to the Coach's Corner? I mean, the Coach's Corner, you are here presenting this tonight, so I'm sure everybody would love to hear a little bit more about that as well.
2: Sure. Uh, This is actually a project that we kind of conceived of just before first of the year, and we uh, Bronis and Sean and I got together for a little conversation about well you know what would it be because uh, for people that have had good experience with coaching what if we showed people and started to lead them into how to coach how to teach how to train effectively how to get the most out of not only their practice but in teaching other people and guiding them to excellence a little better because we all have uh, have quite a bit of experience in that and and so that was really our goal is what if you are overseeing a practice, maybe it's your local group practice, and you've got a bunch of people that are showing up, and they're looking to you for leadership, or how they should uh, start training, or, you know, maybe you're more experienced, and and I've seen a lot of people get knighted, and they go, wow, I should get squires now, and they got people that come to them and say, teach me how you do what you do, and they, they kind of look around, they don't have an, the, they don't feel confident with teaching, or they stumble, and they feel like, uh, well, I really should know this, I should know how to teach, but I'm not really good at it, why not put out material that helps them learn to be a better coach and a better teacher, better trainer. Um, and so that's sort of how it started. And then the, the the winter kind of as it went on, we sort of got got busy a little bit and then uh, we revisited this as you know, we got all uh, cabin bound and thought, hey, you know, maybe this is a good time to get this thing launched and to help all those people out there that would like to to get some insights from experienced trainers.
0: Thank you. Would anybody like to add to that?
3: No, I, I think it pretty well covers it. I mean, uh, the, the whole point is, uh, you know, people like me and Bronos have been kind of independently, uh, you know, doing, doing this, you know, world-class, no world level training for a while. And, um, it's always been really interesting to how, how close we are and how similar we are in, in our approach. Um, and so this has just been kind of a, kind of an effort to, uh, kind of collaborate a little bit better uh, to get that information out more and be, be a little bit more proactive because that's one of the things that, that he and I are in particular are trying to do is we're trying to change the way that, that, that we teach our sport um, and to make it more efficient and to make it more accessible to everybody and that's been the whole point of the coach's corner is trying to, trying to give access to people to, um, to, to make better practice for themselves.
4: So I'm going to go ahead and jump in real quick. I I think one of the best parts that come out of this is that so many other people have uh, offered and volunteered to help and do things. Uh, You're going to see all of us bring other people uh, into some projects and some presentations. Uh, His Grace Eliyahu, was one of them that I really wanted to add because he brought in a real education side of you know, uh, you know, professor at a university and doing all these things. And that formal education idea is something that I don't personally have, you know, any understanding of um, the way I trained a little bit older school and sometimes a little rough and tumbly. But, um, you know, it, it's been nice because I've been able to learn from Tristan and from Ilyahu and you know good part is me and Sean have been sharing stuff for a long time. and I think I think Sean, you know, through some of those talks, we all you know, I, I listen and sometimes I'm listening and I'm, I'm I sit in wonderment of these guys are going to say next, and I'm like, I'm just like everybody else listening because I want to hear. <laughs> you know uh, so uh, i'm I'm really hoping that uh, we we get the opportunity to present more and more stuff with some other great, great people from around the, the around the world and known world for us and, uh, and, uh, introduce you to those people that have great ideas too, that just haven't been, uh, maybe had that chance to, to, to be out there like Sean and I and, and get a chance for them to make their name and people to say, Hey, I want to learn more from that guy and invite him out. And because the more trainers we get out there, the more, the, the more people can travel and, and people request people to come and do stuff, the better our sport gets. And in the end, that's really what we're really trying to do for everybody. So I'm, I'm. Uh, it's been a great experience. It's been uh, incredible to see the people tune in, uh, and it's been really nice to see the people that want to help.
2: And we're just getting started. Yeah. I'm. I'll. Uh, I'm sorry to jump in. I'll just mention that we put together a. a, a spreadsheet of the sh- of the episodes that we want to plan out and it's a full sheet of I think we got about a dozen episodes and we've still got other ones to add on so we're just kind of getting started right now and um and i, I, I just to lead into ilyahu's uh, thing I don't know if a lot of people know about this but jaguro Kano the founder of judo was an educ a professional educator and yeah. that's one of the reasons that judo became so well codified into a curriculum was that he brought in not just being a good technician in terms of jujitsu, which he he was, but he was young. He brought in the structure and the way of teaching it that made it very, very popular. It's one of the things. So um, yeah. Uh, Anyway, go ahead, Eli. Sorry to jump in there.
1: Yeah. And uh, I was really pleased to be invited uh, to be part of this. Uh, I do teach at a university. Um, My, was certified in secondary education as well. But I also worked professionally for a long time before I started teaching and I've tried to apply the what I learned about teaching to the SCA in whatever area of of knowledge I'm, I'm trying to share. And Bronis and I have had this conversation when I started relearning, fighting, updating my my fighting. And I, I took what he was showing me and I, to understand for myself, had to organize the content and that's curriculum design. And I've helped other people with that in, in different areas. And, um, and so I think I, I also look for ways to improve my teaching. And by seeing what other people do and how they do it, I'll, I'll, I learn from everybody. I learn from students too, in, in ways that I can improve my teaching because there's an old saying that, that, um, I hear and I forget, I see, and I remember I do. And I understand old saying I've added to that for me, I teach and I start to master the subject. And so if I've got a student who's really uh, showing is, is very good or developing skill, I will have them show another student how to do something or talk to another because that requires them to, to really be certain of their answers while I'm supervising to make sure that they're getting things right and I can, can, can guide them. And so the, the opportunity to talk about this and and to share not just the specifics of, teach, of, of coaching SCA fighting, but of how to teach and how to be a better teacher, because there are some people who can fight who can't really teach because it's a different skill set. And so the, the more we can empower people to share what they know in an effective way, the the better I think that's well said
0: we Thank do you. have somebody that is going to be joining us I'm yeah. going to go ahead <coughs> and we're going to unmute, how are you?
5: doing alright hi Viscount Tristan, hi hi, Vicu- I that hi. hi. <laughs> um, thanks for have, jumping on yeah um, this has been great actually I've learned quite a bit already uh, my question kind of ties in actually with what Um, his grace just finished off with is that teaching aspect what um, what do you kind of suggest if you find that your whole practice has kind of hit like a bit of a plateau Um, I mean I know teaching is you know one way to to kind of reset those Circuits in the brain because you're thinking at it from a different perspective and stuff, but we've got a small practice, and so everybody kind of takes turns with the teaching and everything already.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Ooh, good question. I think Brian is uh, a good one, or Shonda would be the start. I was going to
3: say I was going to jump in on that. Yeah. Um, your your best bet is especially if it's a small practice where you don't have a lot of uh, experienced fighters. Uh, is that is that is that about right? Mm-hmm.
5: Um. Experience in terms of how long we've been fighting and award levels, yes, but you know, it's still basically a couple of GOAs and some AOA level um, right. fighters, and then some folks that are new.
3: So what you're gonna what you're gonna need to do is have somebody find one of those top end fighters um, that is within a, a reasonable driving distance of your of your practice, and have them come to practice and basically turn everything upside down um have, have, you know because part of part of uh, the plateau is complacency you get comfortable with where you're at you get comfortable with the level of effort that you're doing and 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 um especially at a smaller less experienced practice you kind of get this idea that oh i'm doing pretty good against these other fighters and you know we're all doing pretty good for ourselves against each other but when you bring in somebody that is that much better um and you know i mean uh you know seto had made the the, the point the other night when we were uh, having a conversation with Loki that, you know, when, when I came out to Chicago to teach class out there, um, you know, he, he was feeling pretty good about himself, uh, you know, winning a few fights here and there. And then I come out and not necessarily cause I'm better than, than what you have in the mid realm am different. And all of a sudden I come out with something that was totally different and just, just tore him up. And that's what made him go home and change everything. So bring, bring somebody in, bring somebody to your practice for a weekend and even for just, just practice and just kind of get people, get them out of that complacency a little bit.
4: Yeah. So I would, I would agree a hundred percent on that. You know, I was actually, the first thing I was going to say is sometimes having that, that, that fresh look at something, a fresh look at a different style. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I. Uh, you know, I've trained a lot in the midrealm, um, but when it comes to come going to an event and actually doing training, I tend to let actually the realm knights do that. Um, uh, mostly because many of these people know the style already; they've seen it. There's there's that excitement is is, is kind of worn off, and um, but when you go out somewhere else, there's there's a layer of you know, holy cow, this is something totally new. There's some ideas here that are fresh and. And, uh, and, and that's the type of idea that, that, you know, that feeling that, that you get back with it. And, and what that does is it builds excitement back in your practice. Cause I think that's in a lot of cases, what happens is, okay, we got to go do this, I got to go fight to be a better fighter. And I, I'm just, I got to go do it. I'm going to practice to go to practice to go to practice, instead of going to practice, going, I just watched this, I'm going to do this one thing better right i'm going to do this one thing different and if and you can keep adding one thing different then you get some freshness because somebody's gonna walk up to me and say what did you just do because i want to know how to do it too sometimes i'll go at practice and i'll be like you know we'll get two of the younger people in fact i love doing this and they're especially when they're brand new and they they come in about the same time i'm like all right put them together you guys go have some fun because you know what the, the people that have just been going to practice after practice after practice forgot that fun and watching those two people just let them go do it they could do it all wrong I don't care because you know why they came here is they hit each other with sticks right they, they, they just want to go out there and get excited and you guys all in the back going yeah all right you know and 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 then all of a sudden there's excitement again and you remember why you go to practice and you remember why you want to learn more mm-hmm. and and so those are other ways to do it from inside. Um, you know, give those people that chance to have that, that excitement back, you know, and, and then, and the last piece is sometimes take a break, say, Hey, we're going to, instead of getting armor on tonight, we're going to have, I, I lined up a bunch of YouTube stuff and we're all going to sit back and we're going to watch this stuff. And if somebody sees something that got thrown that they want to learn, let's review it a few times, and then we're going to try it at practice. Right. And. And so that person doesn't have to come in because he's showing you stuff right there online, right? And so, so you know, take that opportunity to get people, to try to find and build that excitement back in, right? And um, and sometimes it just takes a person to be that guy. That you need, you need that cheerleader, that coach in your corner that's like, yeah, you got to push it, you know? And and then next thing you know, that excitement's like, this is why I came here. Oh my God! <laughs> you're right and and then you're kind of you're on that path again you're like i just want to keep growing and uh you know i think that's where that plateau you know really what you're talking about is that whole practice is plateaued and there's a lot of ways to kind of break out of that um and and passion is is a big one of all of those
2: and that's what i was going to say is is find the passion and this will be something that'll be different for each person in your practice group and it might pay to actually sit down, just have some individual conversations with each person and say, you know, hey, I'd like to bring some excitement back to practice. Like what, what are you passionate about with, with your SCA fighting? Because when you, when you talk about improvement, people often get to, all right, I got to figure out the math. I've got to figure out how to be, you know, throw shots better. You, you get into almost a tedium of, of how you need to perform better and you can lose track of that passion. Like, why are you doing this in the first place? I mean, and so definitely shake things up. I agree totally with Sean that you got to turn something upside down, whether that's bringing somebody in, but getting everybody that's there kind of on board with, is this what you want from your practice? If not, let's get together and change it." it. And you can try all kinds of different things, but if there's no agreement that, that, those people within your practice group don't want more then you might be swimming upstream and you might need to actually find a different practice or to change the environment around some
0: thank you i've been at
2: a stale practice before and i know exactly what you're talking about um and it can be tough to bring your passion in and and share it with a bunch of people that just are kind of going through the motions and they show up and they don't really care and I don't know if that's what your group is like but i've uh that can happen that way so but you share your passion and it will be contagious you'll start infecting other people with
0: it did that answer some of your questions yeah
5: it's yeah it did actually um you know we were starting that little upswing we had a couple of new folks coming into their first couple practices and then Everybody was you know, told to stay inside, so hopefully we can yeah. you know, keep that infusion of new interest and new passion, and that'll kind of help some of us that are doing this a while or whatever and kind of fell into that rut, break out of that rut a little bit.
2: Sure. One of the episodes, by the way, we have planned is, is how to create a practice or build a practice to be engaging and exciting, and so we're going to be covering that uh, coming up. And I think, you know, we're not covering it right now because we can't, nobody can do a practice. So we'll time it more. So as things start to lift and practices start to engage again, we'll, we'll bring that in. Um, but that's something is, and I found this with, with the uh, Aikido tech classes that I teach. And I try to do this with the, the classes that I would, and uh, the coaching that I do within the SCA is be so, so dedicated as a teacher or a coach that you want that student to walk out the door being better than when he walked in the door and don't let it happen, don't let them leave just thinking like they showed up and they stood around or they kinda of went through some motions and they left. You wanna make sure that they've gotten something for their time and that, that will help keep that excitement and that passion on fire.
0: Thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah. yeah, thank you, it's good to see you.
0: Yep,
5: good to see everybody too. Thank you very much for answering the question. That was fantastic and very helpful.
2: Fabulous.
0: I am going to bring it back to everybody. There we go. Um, because we have another question from the viewers. Duke Bronos had mentioned going to practice, like, I want to try this one new thing. And how do you avoid having too many one new things to try? Because this particular person feels like that is where they are right now. Let's see. I think do you, Bronis, I think I have you on.
4: Yeah, there we go. Um, so, you know, that is when I, when I talk about trying one new thing, it's, you don't want to jump from one thing to another thing. Cause you, you, you do that, you become master of nothing. And it, it, it's, it gets you in that space where, um, it's so hard to continue forward because it's, you have so many things lined up. Um, even when we're t- teaching the basics, I'll, uh, you know, I'll go through these shots, but then at the end of talking, uh, which I can do quite a bit, um, I'll say, these are the three things I would like you to remember out of all of this. I I'm a big, uh, the analogy I always put it is I, I, I throw a lot of stuff, like a lot of wet paper towel at the fence. Lots of it are going to just go right through, but there's pieces that are going to stick. And as those more and more pieces stick, that fence starts filling in. So you know the, the you know the idea is if you haven't really got something you're working on but you believe it's still kind of working and it's it's moving forward, work on that hard. And if it, if you find yourself and you're like, I think this is actually going to work some, now I'm going to go ahead and find this other thing that I've been wanting to try, and now you can start bringing that in. So you you got two or three things that you're you're thinking about and working through, more than fine. But don't jump from one thing to another thing, to another thing. You have to take your time and evaluate if, if you don't feel like it's working and, uh, it, you know, it may come down to, Hey, what do you guys think? What's the danger here about this? Is there is this re- not working for a reason? Am I not throwing it the right way? If you saw it in a video, contact the person in a video and say, Hey, I here, here's what I do on the Pell that you're doing. What am I doing wrong? You know? Um, try to try to get all the way down the line. If you have to watch 10 more videos, go watch 10 more videos and, you know, push it as far as you can. And when you get to a point where you're like, that's right in my toolbox. Now, I think, I think I can hold that. I'm not great at it. I'm going to keep working on it. Just like my other tools I have, but I think I'm okay to start adding some, I want to change my footwork up a little bit. You know, I can add the footwork cause that's one layer. And I still have these other things in a toolbox I'm working on and I've already integrated into the style a little bit and, and I think I can keep going. And then you sure. have to recognize when you can use them. it.
1: If I can add to that. So what Bronis is talking about is somebody who's a self-directed learner. And when somebody has a whole list of one new things and they don't know and they keep bouncing from one to another, it helps to have a good instructor to organize that content and say, here's, we need to work on these because this one will build on this. And then that's a foundation for the next thing. And then, and to to organize the things in, so it's when somebody is a self-directed learner and they have a certain level of ability where they can understand or comprehension, they can understand how to add in new things that's not not everybody is at that level sometimes people need help just organizing which thing after which thing after which thing in what order and how to to organize their own learning how to structure their own learning
4: and that's why we brought ilyahu here yeah (laughs) (laughs) thank you your grace you're welcome
0: (laughs) thank you yep all right we're gonna go back to our gallery view to see everybody that is here um, as of right now, it looks like we don't have any questions. Oh, just kidding. One came in.
2: Well, I think we just topped the two hour mark. So I know. We're, we're rolling, baby.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> Duke Galeon.
1: I was about to to beg off. I have to go, actually. So um, I hate to, to no, that's fine. bail on everybody, that's right, but yeah. I'm going to go. Thank you very much. And Thank you good you. I'll see you all soon. All right. Good to see yeah. you
0: always.
1: Yeah. Bye bye.
0: Our question from the viewers, for for those that can remain, obviously I understand if you need to leave. um, How do you break yourself out of a plateau in terms of the mental game? Uh, This person says there's someone who seems to not be able to fully mentally be in the fight, which is holding them back from realizing their potential. Is the mental game the same or is it different from practicing other parts of the fight? And how can, as a teacher, how can they recognize where someone else is in their mental game?
3: I I think I'll, I'll jump on that one. Um, but from the gist of the question there, it kind of sounds like, um, uh, if if somebody can't get out of, out of their way, um, it's, it's, that's generally victory conditions. You know, they're, they're, they're so wrapped up in trying to get better at the one thing because you know again it's that magic bullet it's the it's it's you know trying to get trying to fix this one thing because that's that the one thing is that's going to get me through um and it's it's yeah that's the problem of the plateau is getting too wrapped up in in focusing on on doing one thing and it's uh having having the courage to uh break those victory conditions and to to find something to 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 find out what your next deficiency is. And if you if you if you break it down in, in, in that if you focus on your 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 current greatest deficiency and if you're just working on fixing getting better at your at, at your biggest deficiency, then you you're going through a process of fixing things rather than trying to get better at one thing that you're probably already good enough at as it is. Um, And so that's, that's definitely one way to kind of stay off the plateau is to, you know, to always be looking for, you know, find something that is wrong and fix that rather than taking something that is already good and just trying to incessantly trying to make that better.
0: I'm slipping slipping us back into gallery view. Um, Count Tristan, do you have anything you'd like to add to that?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll just say that the mental game is very hard to diagnose remotely. It's, it's tricky to do it in person, and somebody who's pretty skilled can spot the, the mental gaps and, and the issues with the mental game, but uh, from a written description, it's almost impossible to, to diagnose exactly what could be going on there because your personality can, can come into play. For example, if you lack self-confidence, if you have a self-esteem issue, that can poison how you approach uh, your your tournament fight or your or your your fight. How you set it up. If you doubt yourself, those types of things can eat away at you. And so that's where it's really good to get with somebody that can join you in practice or can learn about you, that can connect with you. And that's what a good coach will do: is will connect with the student to get to know them well enough to guide them, help guide them through those uh, learning that that mental aspect. Um, it's something that I think, uh, as people hear about the, the physical part and the mental part, and then the later, the spiritual part, they, they, they tend to want to jump ahead because they want to speed to being a really good fighter, but there, you, you kind of have to methodically go through and building the mental part is the biggest challenge. And that takes some time and some patience, but having, having a good guide that you can talk with and to get, they can understand you not just watch your fight and watch how your body moves, but actually understand how your mind works, what your personality is, that can explain some of the issues and obstacles you can have in terms of the mental side of fighting.
0: Thank you. All right. It looks like most of the questions have come in. You have answered the questions of the universe. All is right (laughs) in the world again. Um, I know we are going to be back together again next Friday. Mm-hmm. I believe, around the same time. I would encourage everybody to check in with the event that will be scheduled and shared um, for more information on that. Do we have any parting words?
4: Uh, I, I, for for my side, I hope everybody has a wonderful night. Thank you for spending, uh, spending a good deal of time with us. Uh, and uh, thank you for the questions. And I uh, look forward to uh, seeing everybody again uh, over time come visit us
0: have a wonderful night everybody thank you duke sean duke branos count tristan
2: uh i would like to add one last thing and that is um on our initial episode we covered a number of different topics and our plan was to elaborate on those topics so if you have one or several that you would like to hear about right away please let us know post in the facebook group I think we're looking at putting up uh, like a poll to see if w- which episodes people would like to see coming up next. We haven't thoroughly planned that out yet. So, uh, but we wanna hear from people, We uh, please post up. And if there's a topic you really want us to cover you think would be a really great one, we'll, we'll add it to our list and we'll start making them up and talking about it.
0: Um, right. we, we have some questions that look like they've slipped in but I would encourage everybody to possibly check out just the coach's corner and bring them to you there if that's yep. a if we missed the
2: question post it up on, on coach's corner and we'll nail it there perfect yeah we can
3: address it there
0: great everybody have a lovely evening and we will see yeah. you all again on friday thank all right, you thanks for having us all right, bye.
3: Yeah.